0: you're listening to the whole vineyard podcast to find out more about the whole vineyard church go to wholevineyard.co.uk good evening good evening guys welcome so excited to have you here for those of you that don't know me my name is josh i'm privileged to be part of the team here and um I'm excited to bring kind of God's word to you this evening, but before I do, I'm going to just invite someone incredibly special and exciting to the stage. Um, Would you all give Sam Cooper a round of applause? Legend. Um, Sam, for those of you that don't know, Sam, uh, you've been part of our church since you were born, right? Yeah. Basically. That's right. (laughs) And uh, you are... For want of a better word, a missionary, a revivalist, someone that is following God all around the world in beautiful places. Um, would you just tell us uh, a little bit for those people that don't know what you do, what you've been up to, what you get up to?
1: Sure. Good evening, guys. And so the last year, I was studying engineering up in Durham for four years. And I think if you'd spoke to me two years ago as a student, I'd have said to you, when I'm graduating, I'm going to go to the Middle East. I'll go do some engineering there, preach the gospel. Um, But that didn't end up happening. This last year has been a bit of an adventure, and really it has all come um, through journeying. Uh, Through university, I got involved with a movement called Revive. I went to a conference where there were 2,500 students gathered from 86 nations, all hungry to see God do a new thing Mm. in this younger generation. And I just found that I got caught up in this vision bigger than myself. Um, of what God is doing in the nations right now and just said a yes to him this year and that yes has taken me to 12 different countries and we've been doing these retreats all around Europe encouraging young people to pursue Jesus with all their heart wow
0: so good, and um,
1: tell us a story, what's, what's been happening. Sure, yeah, the first retreat we did was in a city in Norway called Bergen. I'm really thrilled that the student leader I got the privilege of working alongside to put that together, Ragenhill, she's in Hull tonight. And it's... Uh... <laughs> first time in the north of England, we took her for a roast dinner today, first Yorkshire pudding. I think it went well, right? <laughs> it blow your mind. But um, to Lovely. share a story from there, because this has been so... <laughs> what was that, John? <laughs> <laughs> Turkey to the there we go. But um, what we found is the gatherings have been so <laughs> relational. And so, um, very quick story, but at the conference last year, we met in 2022, and already um, Ragan Hill had been sharing with the Revive team, hey, I want to do something in my city. Something is stirring among the young people. Mm. And then before that was announced, we had this conference, and out of 2,000 people... On the last night, this, uh, this guy stood up to share his testimony and he stepped forward and he shared that he wasn't too comfortable sharing in front of this many people. Wow. Um, but he said, this week, God gave me a vision of people in my city worshiping um, in the city center. And he said, I feel like God's given me this opportunity to ask you to pray for my city, Bergen. And he had no idea we were planning this gathering there three months later. So roll on the three months in March and we were like, hey, Let's do the very thing God gave this young guy a vision of. And so the last day, we went out into the city center of Bergen to worship. We had a team with their guitar. We had some people praying, some people sharing the gospel. It was pouring with rain. There was next to no one there. And yet, just towards the end of our time, this young student girl from Azerbaijan, she ends up walking past, and she sees this group worshiping, and she's like, they have something different about them. Wow. And so she follows us back to our place afterwards. She joins us for dinner. And that night we had testimonies of what God had been doing in our hearts over the weekend. And during the worship, someone came over to her and said, Hey, this Jesus we're talking about, do you want to know him for yourself? And she said, yes. And what blew me away, and basically we started to pray for more people, and she's there laying hands praying for them. And what blew me away about that story is the fact that God got one guy to stand up in front of two and a half thousand people to pursue one girl mm. in a totally different country. Mm. So that's just like one story of what that's awesome. been doing this year. <laughs> so that's
0: incredible, and we'll have a number of students here tonight and uh, people just hungry to see God move. What's your sense, Sam, from being all across Europe and the nations of what God is doing in the emerging generation?
1: Yeah, I was praying about this today. We might have slightly prepped. But, um, This verse from Acts 20 it's just before Paul is about to make his way to Jerusalem and he says this, he says, and now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. And this is the verse, he says, but I do not account my life of any value nor is precious to myself. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. I really believe, just as we've been going around Europe this year and seeing the little fires God has been igniting, that he's really calling forth a generation who do not count their lives dear to themselves. Mm. Now we're living in a time where people are living for careerism, to climb the ladder of success, where it is all about self and yet, I really believe there's the invitation of Jesus to all of us to lay our lives down in surrender mm. and to find the very place of life there. Mm. And so that's my encouragement. I really believe God is calling for for generation in wholehearted pursuit. And that's the invitation for all of us. And if you're a student here, we deeply believe God has plans beyond anything you could ask or imagine. And as we lower and lower ourselves, we'll find him taking us to places we couldn't imagine. So yeah, I believe that's the invitation card. Wow.
0: So good. Let's give Sam a round of applause. <laughs> Love it. Right. Well, don't need to preach now, do I? That was good. That was. <laughs> we <We've> peaked. <laughs> we peaked. So good. Well, ah, is ah, isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Um. Tonight, we are launching a new series, which I'm incredibly excited about, called Good Question. And what we want to do is, the heart and the vision behind this series is really to create an environment, create some space To talk about some of the big questions that we have as Christians, but also things that people out there in the world may see as barriers to coming to know Jesus and coming to faith in him. Put your hands up if you've got questions about life and meaning and faith and God and anything like that. I would imagine every hand's raised uh, because we're all on a journey, aren't we, of discovering God and discovering ourselves and discovering Life and um, so, what we wanted to do over the course of this series is just create space to ask some of those questions. We're going to be exploring how to find out, and discover our calling, how we could, should we care for the environment, whether we can trust our feelings, how to thrive emotionally, and what about other religions? And tonight, I've been tasked with a big one. Tonight, I'm talking about suffering. So I've got the next three hours (laughs) and if I'm honest, I'm stressed. Now, many of you know we're launching an Alpha course in, uh, I believe, a week on Thursday night. Now, Alpha is space to process and chat about some of the big questions of life. I've been running Alpha courses for many years. And one of the things that we do at Alpha is um, we sit around tables and we ask questions. And we allow people that are searching, that are not from the Christian faith, to share their views and to ask their questions. And one of the questions we ask people is this. Um, session number one, if God was real and, and here right now and you could ask God one question, what question would that be? I could give you a list of maybe three or four questions that are so prevalent in people's lives and hearts that they ask every single time. And I would say the number one question that people ask that is on their hearts and minds and lives as a daily reality is why is there suffering in the world? Why? Why? If God is good, why does life contain so much pain? And really what I'm going to do today is create a space for us to ask God what he thinks about this. To create an environment where we can begin to engage. And tentatively tonight I'm going to share a few thoughts. Now I need you to know this is not an extensive explanation all of your questions about why bad things happen will not be answered tonight nor is it a full theological review but my prayer and my hope is that by the end of this evening we may have just got a glimpse of God in the midst of everything that we are going through now before i kind of jump into some thoughts on the big topic of suffering i think there's a few things that i just wanted to share about this topic firstly Um, I'm aware that every single one of us in the room will be going through times of suffering and pain. The question of suffering is not a philosophical question. It is a deeply personal one. And there's nothing that I can say that will take away your pain right here, right now. Every single one of us will experience suffering on some level. It is part of our reality to go through suffering and loss and grief and pain. And we live in a culture, don't we, that tends to run away from pain and avoid discomfort. And I really want to ask the question, is it possible to suffer and live life to the full? And how do we do that together? Secondly, there are no easy answers to pain. And this is so important to realize when you're talking to maybe your friend who you're inviting to church and sharing your faith with. If you're a Christian, and and they say, "Well, what about this?" There's no like here's three simple points that you can share and make their pain go away. I'm not here to give answers which will make things okay. I'm not even here tonight to defend God, but what I do want to do is invite the presence of the Holy Spirit to help us with our questions. And finally. Um, I also want to say that God welcomes our questions. God welcomes our struggles, our wrestles, even our doubts. Tonight, this is a safe space for us to process. Did you know whole books of the Bible are written about suffering? If you've never read the book of Job, give it a go tonight when you get home. Um, It is a story of a man who suffers deeply and fights to find God in the middle of of it all, So those are a few kind of principles that I just wanted us to bear in mind as we navigate this question tonight. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to share six ideas about suffering or maybe um, things to consider when asking the question of why is there suffering in the world. Six principles uh, of kind of the way life works for us. And then we're going to read some of the Bible and see Jesus as he steps into a moment of suffering. And then we're going to pray for one another. Does that sound good? I hope that is going to be good. Now, the first idea that I want us to recognize and grasp when talking about why there's suffering in the world is this idea that humanity has been given individual freedom. Humanity has been given freedom. God has given humanity the capacity to make powerful choices. Do you realize that? You've made a choice to be here tonight. We call this free will. I want you to consider for a moment all the incredible things that humanity has accomplished. Think of the stunning art, Michelangelo, the Sistine Chapel. Think of the advances in technology, the iPhone, our trip to the moon. Think of all the medical advances we have made. God has impregnated humanity with divinity. We are made in his image. And our choices have the capacity to um, bring into being incredible things. But also we have the capacity to cause great suffering. Through human choices, we hurt God. We hurt each other. We hurt ourselves. Think of all the atrocities committed by humanity. War and tyranny, abuse, theft, murder, racism. All the injustice in the world, much of which has been caused by people. God has given humanity a freedom which includes a capacity for incredible things and also awful evil. Now you may say, well, why would God give us freedom? Why would God give us freedom? Let me explain in just a moment. At the heart of Christianity is a relationship with God. I believe that's why it's different from every other religion. We were born not to be slaves, but to be sons and daughters. We were born not to be robots, but royalty, to be friends. We were made for relationship with God. Now, how many of you know that relationship, true relationship, always is two-way? Do you know that? I remember getting married to my wife over eight years ago, and we were here in this building, and we stood there. We looked at each other, and I looked at Hannah, and I basically said, I choose you. And she looked back at me and she said, Josh, I choose you. Everyone gasped. <laughs> and um, I just don't know why I said that. Um, now, if I'd have picked Hannah and she had said, no, I don't want to marry you, but we'd have still got married. I, I would have said that that is not a healthy marriage. In fact, that would have been an abusive marriage. Not even a marriage at all. God created humanity and he chose us. He loves us first and he invites us into relationship and what he wanted from his sons and daughters was to us to say to God, I choose you. Now, you will all know and be aware that at some point every single human being that has ever lived apart from Jesus has made the choice at some point to walk away from God and to do our own thing. Now, God is the source of life, light, and love. In him, those three things are founded and exist. Life, light, and love. He is the source. And we were created and born to share in life, light, and love. But as humanity walked away from God, we stepped away from life, light, and love. And as a consequence, we experience, well, what is the opposite of life? Death. What is the opposite of light? darkness what is the opposite of love i would say disconnection as humanity walked away from god what else can there be exper- but experiencing death darkness and dis- uh, death darkness and disconnection and that is exactly what happened if you turn on the news you will see our world today don't you characterized by death darkness and disconnection the bible calls this sin Now, we live in a world as well today where we like to blame others for things, don't we? We blame others for how our life has turned out. We blame God for our issues. We blame the mistakes we make on uh, things that people made us do. I wouldn't get angry if that person didn't cut me up in traffic, to give a simple analogy. Let me give you an example of how we blame God for something, but in reality, we have the power, the choice to fix it. World hunger. Do you know, millions of people around our world are going hungry. People in our city are going hungry, which is why we're so passionate about building the Hope Center and serving those that are in need. Now, experts think that it will cost $40 billion a year to solve world hunger, a statistic I read this week. Um, Do you know, the Americans spend $870 billion a year on defense. Now, that is not about blame. I think it's a helpful picture of the reality that some of the problems in our world we have the capacity to solve. And sometimes we look at God and say, God, why aren't you doing anything about this? And God looks at us and says, Why aren't you doing anything about this? So humanity makes choices which lead to suffering. Are we okay so far? We have individual freedom, and I'm sure many of you will understand that. The second thing I want to say about suffering is that the world we live in is broken. The world we live in is broken. Did you know there wasn't always suffering? When God first made the earth, he said it was very good. But when the first humans sinned, the Bible says that that sin created um, a brokenness in the world, in creation, the fabric of reality. That sin sent shockwaves throughout the cosmos. The entirety of creation splintered and shattered and began disintegrating. The book of Romans describes it like this, creation is in bondage to decay. Sin is is more than just breaking rules. Sin is actually a sickness. It's a cancer that has become intrinsically woven throughout the fabric of our reality. Which means this, everything you see in the world is marred by brokenness. Every animal, every tree, every mountain, every sea is tainted. It is fractured. Paul puts it like this, creation itself is groaning with pain. That moment with Adam and Eve in the garden sent shrapnel hurtling through the universe, corrupting everything in its path. And what this means is that nothing works as originally designed by God. Our bodies are broken. Our DNA, our brains, our desires, our emotions. Death wasn't part of God's original design. Sickness wasn't part of God's original design. Natural disasters, disease. These are all consequences of the breaking of the fabric of the world as humanity walked away from God's love. So we make human choices which cause people pain. Secondly, the world itself and its fabric and its reality is broken. Thirdly, I'm going to get some good news at some point, guys. Are you still with me? Sounds depressing, doesn't it? It's okay. Thirdly, it's important to understand that there are forces of evil in the world. Paul puts it like this in Ephesians 6. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Essentially, Paul is saying this, that behind that which we can see, behind our physical world, behind governments and systems and All people and injustice and pain, there is a spiritual reality that we cannot see. And in that spiritual reality, there are forces of evil and powers and rulers and principalities which influence and infect our world with evil. Now that sounds scary, but actually it's helpful to realize. And we know that Jesus has defeated that. And when you think about it, it makes sense, doesn't it? Think about some of the worst atrocities in history, the, the war and the genocide and the evil. It kind of makes sense, doesn't it? That that sort of evil and hatred has been influenced by something other than just bad people. There is an enemy who wants to ruin humanity. My fourth idea of reflection, something that I think we need to take into consideration when considering suffering, is the cross and the empty tomb. Do you know that we worship a God who himself suffered? We follow a God who stepped into our world, who came to us, but more than that, became one of us, who crossed the cosmos to identify with us. He fully embraced humanity and experienced Jesus Christ, the fullness of life. Jesus laughed. Jesus cried. Jesus had friends. He ate ate good food. He worked. He had a job. He had a family. But Jesus also experienced loss and grief and stress. He was also abandoned by his friends and falsely accused. He bled. He was tortured. He hurt. He wept. And Jesus died. There are some reasons that we've covered for why this stuff exists, but there is an answer and a solution to the brokenness of the world. And it's in the cross and the empty tomb. On the cross, we're shown that God isn't distant or dormant or dead, but God is with us in our suffering. Did you know one of the names for Jesus in the Bible is Emmanuel? Do you know what Emmanuel means? It means God is with us. He is with us in our pain and in our loss, in our grief and in our anxiety. Jesus went through that. He identifies with us in our weakness, in our brokenness. He never sinned, but he still suffered. God suffered. Think about that. God The cross is that moment in history where God died. You may be asking this question even today, God, where are you in the midst of my suffering? And God would say, I am right there beside you. I am with you. I know what it's like to suffer. And Jesus didn't just suffer on the cross, but three days later, he rose from the dead. And I want to say the resurrection of Jesus changes the game. It changes everything. It shows us that eternity is real. There is life after death. Sin has been dealt with. The devil has been defeated. Hope restored. Heaven is our home. Romans 8 says this, verse 18. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. This is Paul writing who went through Horrendous times and horrendous suffering. And he's saying that because Jesus rose from the dead, we can have a hope that one day everything's going to be okay. And God will restore all things. I think it was Mother Teresa who said that compared to heaven, even a life filled with the worst sufferings you could imagine will be no worse than spending a night in a mildly inconvenient hotel. Heaven is coming And that is our hope because Jesus rose from the dead. Number five, idea number five, I think it's important to say that we're invited as followers of Jesus to share in the sufferings of Christ. Now, contrary to some popular preachers, the reality is that for every single one of us that follow Jesus, we are not immune to suffering. If you signed up to following Jesus thinking, Jesus is going to make me happy, healthy, and wealthy, um, look, God wants to bless your life. I'm a big believer in that. Um, but that is just not reality. We are not immune to pain. We are not immune to suffering. And in fact, the Bible speaks over and over again about how we are invited to share in the sufferings of Christ. Philippians 3 says this, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. If a Christian is someone who follows Jesus, and if Jesus experienced suffering, it kind of makes sense that we too will go through difficult times. And I'd even go one further to say this. When we, when we suffer, when we are persecuted or wronged or maligned or criticized, when we experience even pain in our body, physical pain, Not only do we know that Jesus has been there, but we know that in that moment, we are actually drawing near to Christ in a significant way. When life gets tough, when difficult things happen, we actually encounter the presence of God in a way that doesn't happen when life is okay. We actually draw nearer to God in in valley moments then often in mountaintop moments, we discover a greater depth to who He is when we go through difficult times. That has been my experience. When life is great, if I'm really honest, I tend to forget that God is there. Anyone else? It, maybe it's just me. But when life is tough, I realize do you know, what? I actually can't do this thing on my own. I, I can't follow Jesus on my own. I, I can't deal with the struggles and strains of life on my own. Actually, In those moments of difficulty and pain, I'm awakened and aware of the presence of Jesus more often than anything. And it's in these moments that we have an opportunity to worship Jesus with greater purity when life isn't working out. To say in the midst of my pain, I still choose to worship you, Jesus. Jesus said things like, in this life, you're gonna have trouble. Jesus said, if, if people hated me, they're going to hate you. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, you're going to have to deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. We have been conditioned as conditioned as Christians to think that life with God is devoid of pain. But in reality, in this broken world, we will all experience pain. But here is also something that I know, and this is my final point before we read a little bit of Scripture, All things work together for good. Are we excited about that? I love this verse in Romans 8. I don't think I've got a slide for this one. It says this, And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. I don't have all the answers to pain and suffering, but here is what I know, that as I look back over my life, seasons of joy and seasons of pain, I can see the fingerprints of God at work in me. And most of that work happens when I'm going through pain. God works all things together for the good of those who love him. Which means this, if you love God, he's gonna take the broken bits of your life, the bits of pain and struggle, the suffering and the hurt, and God will redeem it. He will bring beauty out of it and he will use that in your life to bless you and to bring glory to his name. You'll have a deeper compassion for those who suffer. You'll have greater character and perseverance. You'll know God more intimately because God takes our brokenness and breathes upon it. And there's a beauty in that to know that as a church, we don't have to have it all together. We don't have to wear a mask of, my life is perfect. We can actually just come as we are to church, to God's people, knowing that we carry a lot of brokenness and pain and hurt, and we know that in community, with the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, God will breathe on our brokenness and bring beauty out of it. So finally, just in the last few minutes, I'd love us to read a story from the life of Jesus. If you've got a Bible, turn to John chapter 11. And this is the story of Jesus As he stepped into some of his dearest friends' worst suffering and pain. And I want to read, it's quite a long passage, I've cut out a few bits. But this is when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. And then I've got a few simple thoughts on where is God when we suffer? I thought we just need to read the Bible and see where Jesus is. So it says this, Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one that you love is sick. When Jesus heard this, he said, the sickness will not end in death, no. It is for God's glory, so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Verse 17, on his arrival... Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Think of the grief. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. But I know, now, I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God who is to come into the world. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and she saw him, she fell at his feet and she said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would have not died. it was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there was a bad odor. He's been dead for four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. I knew that you always hear me, and I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Isn't that a stunning story? Where is God when we suffer? Four simple thoughts. Number one, God is sovereign over all things. Verse 4 said this, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Jesus, God sees the end from the beginning when we are in the midst of pain. God is in control even in our worst moments. He sees the, the puzzle box lid when we might just see all the broken pieces of our life. He sees the other side of the tapestry where maybe all we can see is the knots and the bits of mess and pain. And the fact that God is sovereign gives us incredible confidence and comfort to know that things will work out okay in the end. And if it's not okay, it's not the end. It doesn't make it any less painful, but it does make it more peaceful because Jesus is king. Jesus knew this was going to happen. He said, this is not gonna end in death. Secondly, This is one of the most beautiful verses in the whole Bible. Jesus weeps with us. Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse in the whole Bible. There's so much grief and pain and brokenness. Don't you find it crazy that Jesus wept even though he knew Lazarus was going to wake up? He knew that it was going to be okay in just a few moments. And yet he was so deeply moved and compassionate that he weeps. And I want to suggest that whatever you're going through, Jesus is moved by that. He is with you in your pain. He is near to the brokenhearted. He comforts the downtrodden and he weeps with us. Thirdly, he is the resurrection and the life. In our suffering, in our pain, Jesus brings resurrection life. And I think if we neglect the reality that Jesus has an answer to physical pain and hope for those struggling mentally and and for those trapped in debt and addiction, we can miss out on the good news that Jesus is the resurrection and his Holy Spirit is real and present. And he came to, to bring the kingdom of God into our broken reality. And so we can pray for people and have an expectation that their suffering will go. We can pray for people and have an expectation that their bodies will be made right and they will experience freedom. And and they can step into our church and get free from debt because the kingdom is here. And if you're here tonight and you are suffering, you need to know that we will stand with you and we will pray for you. And we believe that God wants to move and bring resurrection power. Throughout his life, Jesus did that over and over. He demonstrated and declared the good news of the kingdom. And people's lives were turned upside down. But fourthly. Jesus was also. I imagine. Using a bit of uh, license with this. At least he was God. there uh, At Lazarus's second funeral. Lazarus died again. And I don't know how long. Lazarus was alive for. Maybe a short while. Maybe quite a long time. But Lazarus died. Did die again in fact everyone that jesus ever healed died again we may pray for someone and they may experience the power of god and their, their shoulder or life or stomach or or mind may be made right and then we might pray for someone else and they may stay in lifelong pain the reality is whilst the kingdom of god comes it is not yet here in its fullness We live in a world broken. But one day Jesus will come back and make all things right. One day Jesus will return and he will right every wrong and bring peace for every bit of injustice and he will restore his rule and reign in its fullness across the earth and across the cosmos. Revelation 21, and I'm I'm finishing here, says this. Then I saw... A new heaven and a new earth, this is the promise. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. This is a promise. They will be his people And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. In our good moments and in our bad, God is with us and one day he will make everything new. Amen